Drew and Jonathan Scott here to tell you that American Family Insurance wants to protect your dreams. So whether you're at home singing in the shower, every note, or prefer singing your heart out in the car like Drew, cruising, you can save up to 23% when you bundle your home and auto insurance with American Family Insurance. Get a quote or find an agent at amfam.com. Insure carefully, dream fearlessly. Visit amfam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin. When you think about something that brings out the best in us, it usually involves helping someone else. By donating plasma at a Griffel Center, you can help save millions of lives and show your good side to the world. You'll join thousands of people who donate safely each week, so patients get the plasma-derived medicines they rely on. And you'll be rewarded up to $1,000 your first month. Learn more at grifflesplasma.com. Ready for the interview and if you get a cue live on a laptop watch what I'm gonna do Welcome to the show let them know we got a point of view Hey yo let's have a combo say what you feel be real that's the motto Real talk pronto Dr. DPHD hit the intro Hold up wait gotta be social network global a home for the local Gotta be social network global a home for the local All right, Lee, you're here, Dr. D's Social Network. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me here. So we were talking before I hit record about, oh, we're going to talk about your life. And there's so many lives. Let's start with the first phase of life. How did that start with you? Where are you from? Just tell us about the beginning. Yeah, my memory instantly went back. Okay. Where do I start my first life? <laughs> Where I have memory or from according to my parents and what time I started. <laughs> yeah, so I grew up in China in what in a small town near Shanghai in southern part of the China. Then after a few years in hometown with the grandparents, then I moved to Beijing to join my parents and started all my school life there. So all my education are in Beijing. I see, I see. Now, what did you wanna do with your life when you're doing school? What did you imagine, you envision you were gonna be doing? And how is that different from what has actually happened? Yeah, at that age, yeah, I had a great imagination and great visions. <laughs> Well, also based on that time, your world is so small, right? So all you know is like what I'm learning in school. So of course, the first thing you're learning in school is language. So my first dream is to become a writer and I was pretty good at writing. Then later on, you had a math class and I said, oh, I'm gonna become a mathematician. Then after you take on the science class and realize I'm good at that. I said, oh, I'm gonna become a scientist. Then, oh, I'm gonna become a doctor. <laughs> so. My dream was evolving along with what school was teaching. Right. And where did you begin? Like when you started this lifetime of beginning to work, this life of work, what did that start as? That also started on the traditional the track, like what you were trained as, what did you do study in school, then what it's natural, what kind of job you get after you got a training this. So I went to college for computer science. Then I came to US for my graduate program in computer science. So naturally, first thing you thought about, oh, I'll continue on to the PhD because that's natural. 
but people right. keep on going into school forever. <laughs> then, uh, I think this, yeah, the second, after the first year in graduate school, I went to do an intern interview in Silicon Valley. I came back to my professor and said, I don't want to do PhD anymore. I want to go into the industry. I want to do the thing practical. So I dropped out of the PhD program, graduated with my master's degree in computer science. And at that time, I was still pretty um, fixed on like computer science, right? So still need to do something with science. So I actually got a job offer to build the operating system, which is the brains of the whole the computer program, which is pretty cool. Join people in Bell Lab or the kind of places. So that's what computer science graduates should be doing. But then one recruiter talked my ear off to recruit me into Wall Street. Whoa. Like, so you should join, like become like the tech, the programmer or whatever. That's where the best technology applied. You should go to New York. So finally I was convinced, abandoned my science stream joined into the practical field on wall street and from there just keep on going then you expose to finance you know, get into the entrepreneurship dot-com bubble all kind of things in life to keep on going from there wow what's what was the wall street experience like for you when you started that mm, at the beginning it's almost feel like American dream because mm. for someone who just came to America a few years ago, graduated from school, got the first job, work at that time still had a Wall Street Center, right? Walk out of Wall Street Center every morning feeling so ambitious, feel like, wow, this is American dream. Work among the people who dress in the suit, go into the big banks, big buildings, and people all talk like they are very, very important people. So <laughs> you just feel, wow, this is American dream. I feel like my blood is really warm. I'm so excited about every day and pretty excited about what I was involved with, uh, which is the building financial system, trading system. So like I'm in the forefront, I'm the one driving all the trading system from behind. It feels pretty cool. It just, uh, that's my definition of American dream at that point. Was it? Um, you know, I think a lot of people have different ideas about Wall Street and, you know, honestly through movies and different things like that. And did you experience it to be a very positive environment or was it very negative or just kind of in between when you were there? Mm, from my perspective at that time, I was young, I was naive. Uh -huh. For me, that's <laughs> pretty cool, right? You just only saw that on the movie, heard that yeah. in the story, and now I'm walking down the street here, and you can talk, hear people talking about the things that are so important because so, so much money moving around, your one finger touch can move the money here and there, you, you feel pretty powerful. And yeah. from that perspective, I was still marveled at every thing, how much impact I'm making just being an IT professional on Wall Street already making so much impact. Felt pretty positive. So I, I want the, the viewer and the listener to get a really good idea of like what you were doing actually. So like so IT professional on Wall Street, what was the specific job? So like take us inside what your daily existence was like in this, in this time. Yeah, my daily life actually pretty simple, just like any <laughs> other people in 
graduated with a programming skill with a computer science degree. So I was a programmer, I was designing the trading system, more specifically with the derivative trading system, which is more than the stock trading, like options and all those kinds of things more complicated than normal stock trading. And accurate calculation is very important. So within the first few months, I need to not only use my computer programming skill, I have to educate myself really fast to learn all the financial engineering because I'm the one designing the program to calculate all the price. And on Wall Street, you heard like a fast trading, all those kind of high frequency trading. And the gamble is whose price is more accurate? Who can calculate that price faster? So we are the one who are behind the engine to design mm. algorithms able to calculate the price fast and more accurate. Like we're both a programmer. If my price is more accurate, my trader going to make more money than ah. I feel I'm doing a better job, right? Wow. So at that time, there's a lot of learning. But for me at that time, I'm definitely not jealous about the money traders are making. <laughs> I'm proud of, oh, I designed a program faster than the other person. My program produced a price more accurate than the other person. I felt really proud of my work. So that's, that's time my world is very small. Wow. I mean, not speak, right? yeah, yeah. Was there a lot of pressure to design a better program than the next person? And at that time, I didn't feel pressure because I kind of, because I was a good student and I graduated from a really great program. I came from Tsinghua University and mm -hmm. then Chapel Hill. And then I, I taught myself the financial engineering part at that point. Um, I felt I was pretty smart. I felt like, wow, you can see there's a flaw in the textbook. So I know <laughs> I can see what's a, some problem in previous versions of the software. I can see it. Then, okay, yeah, natural for me to improve it, fix it. I didn't feel I'm really competing. Only yeah. when I get the praise for that, it's a, wow, this, I can't believe you did this in six weeks and this number is way better, way faster than the other versions. I feel pretty proud of myself. Yeah. Wow. That's, that's so interesting. So was there, did you feel that there was a time where that was coming to a close and you were going to kind of move into your next life of your lifetimes? What was that like? Uh, I definitely didn't see that close, but when I started my job, because when I quit my PhD, get into industry, I know the IT industry turnover, not the turnover, it's uh, evolved super fast hmm. because there's a new programming language, new technique, new something every year or even faster. So when I decided I'm going to go into industry, I told myself, I'm not going to stay at any one job more than two years, because if you stay more than that, you get too comfortable. You <laughs> stay on the old system, you keep on doing the same thing you're good at. I would determine like, I'm going to find a new opportunity every two years to challenge myself, to learn something new, something I'm not familiar and bump me up to the next level. So I definitely didn't consider that going to last forever. So I would keep on, on outlook for new opportunities. Then in, I think that's 2000, in 2000, that's uh, if you remember, that's, uh, I don't know, if you were born or not yet. Yeah, no, I'm 43. I was definitely, <laughs> I was, I was in college. I was like, <laughs> yeah, that time, the, the dot-com bubble time, yes. everyone is running a startup. So yeah, so naturally there are the people around me who are thinking about 
starting their own company. Yeah. Pretty quickly, I got recruited into doing that. So yeah. Wow. So I abandoned Wall Street and went to Seattle. <laughs> so everything just go wild, right? Like just join the the startup, starting the new company. Had the first technical person, so I like I produced the first prototype version overnight. I was like, okay, they they say we need to do a roadshow tomorrow. Can we just quickly show up? the investor what's our product gonna look like we need a prototype but literally we need it tomorrow so the overnight <laughs> I produce the prototype too, so they can demo to the investor what it's going to be like then I start to build out a team recruit a team to programmers testers and we, we need to do everything startup you no longer like a cubicle in the on the wall street job it's you have to wear so many hats so yeah. I'm recruiting people, how to design software, how to implement it. Then I have to do the customer service, work our customers through the whole process, hand holding them, help them to survive, how to use our products. Okay, please, you don't got, go, please don't go out of business. So if they're basically in trouble, we even go jumping to do consulting to help them to see what we can do about your product, <laughs> your service to help you survive. And even like office management, like when we first secured a new office, I have to go and figure out, okay, what telephone system we're going to get? Where's our server? Where to buy the server? Where to put the machine? How to connect the whole office? You have to do everything yourself. Like it just uh, overnight you take on so many responsibilities, right. but that's that was exciting too. So for me, the everything new learning was exciting. So that makes me think about. So you mentioned in what you're doing in IT, everything changes all the time so quickly. So every two years, you want to do something different. Is that not just a personal, a professional philosophy? Is that also extend to your personal life as well? Or is that just very different? Uh, in a similar way, yes. So IT, definitely, it's technology evolved so fast. So I was very careful to say, don't be comfortable. Don't stay at the same place. Be complacent. But in life, there's a difference. Sometimes when you have a vision, a dream, you need to consistently keep on chasing it. You cannot just say, okay, I'm gonna change my goal every two years, change yeah. my vision every two years, unless that naturally comes. But you also need to know if I'm staying at the same spot, not growing for a certain time, that become dangerous. So I'm very aware that every yeah, day yeah. am I learning, am I growing? I'm consciously thinking every morning I get up, I'll review what I'm grateful about today and what do I want to get today? What is the kind what do I have to accomplish today to say, yes, I had a good day today. Yeah. Do you feel that that's a common thing among other people you've been around or is that very much yourself like you see that in yourself primarily i don't know how to compare with other people for me <laughs> that was natural but i do learn over time a lot of things each of us take for granted mm. because so natural for us to do this actually it's not natural for other people so i begin to understand a lot of things part of me actually take a lot of effort for other people to see it. I see, I see. Now, on the other hand, what are some things that maybe aren't as natural for you? Maybe you struggle with over time that you're like, man, I'm, I'm having trouble getting better at this type of thing, you know? 
at beginning there was a huge gap because when I came from an engineering background, I came from a Chinese culture. Okay. So when I first came to America, I was doing the technology kind of job. So still pretty, you can still say it's kind of narrow-minded, focused on getting things done, which is very concrete. This computer program, this office setup, this server setup, this product building, that is still uh, just object, very easy to focus on. But later on, as I got into motivational speaking and the coaching that I need to deal with people a lot. That's the time I learned there's a huge gap from where I came from and where I want to be. If I don't have those natural skills of dealing with people, connecting mm. with people, understand other people, all those things, was, there were a lot of hard lessons that I learned through experiences. Interesting. Now, and you said that was a natural, is that more of a cultural thing? Basically, you grew up in China. Was that something that wasn't emphasized there uh, in, in the culture? Or is it just something you felt for you, it was just difficult for you? I think it's a combination mm -hmm. because growing up in China, probably I think there's a reputation of how competitive to get into a good school. Kids right. are pressured to study really hard. So well, like for me, my track, because I didn't have any other talents, I'm not a singer, I'm not artist, I'm not athlete, I'm not anything. The only track for me is be a good student, study yeah. well. So, so I, I'm, pretty sm I'm pretty smart, so I can do really well in school. So I'm also very focused on doing what I'm good at without anyone going to remind me, actually, you need to look into something you are not good at or also important. Like right mm -hmm. now, I look, no. There are a lot of life skills, soft skills are important, but that time we no one gonna tell us because only <laughs> matter is get homework done, get this exam done really well, get into that best school you can get into. Then parents think their job is done because that's basically about survival at that time. No mm. one going to think about, oh, to be a whole person, what other <laughs> skills you need to develop, how you can be. Like say right now, even well-being for a lot of people, maybe not natural. We don't know. We only know you need to study hard. You need to spend as much effort you can to get the best score. Not like, okay, you need to exercise. You need to develop athletic mm -hmm. hobbies. You need to learn some artists thing. You need to listen to music. You need to read <laughs> books. You need to make more friends. That's not important at that time. Only important is to get into the best school you can get. Right. Wow. It's, it, it is, I, ha, I had heard of that back then about kind of that direction culturally, but when do you, when did you realize, or maybe it was a series of moments to realize that I need to get better at these, these other things that is more, have a more well-rounded approach. When did that hit you? That's when I started climbing. So that's a, in 2004, I started daydream that I want to climb the seven summits and ski to the North Pole and the South Pole. That is a whole thing changed the trajectory of my life, right? <laughs> so that's the time I started to have friends outside my school, outside my office. Before that point, only people I know who either came to school, same school, go to the same class, were working in the same kind of job. So only colleague or classmates or schoolmates are my friends. 
when I got into climbing, I begin to interact with people from all industry, all sort of life, work path, whatever age group, whatever educational, financial background, social class, that's all, that boundary is all gone in climbing. Then I begin to realize, oh, I don't really know how to make a friend. We're spending a lot of time together. We got to be happy, but like how to be friend with them, how to relate to them. Like at the beginning, I, I'm pretty introvert, pretty quiet. So at the beginning, I take it for granted. Okay, I can just be hiding in my corner, be quiet, but that's not fun. You begin to realize it's okay you do that in the office because if you deliver the product, finish the project, no one care about it, you don't say anything. No yeah. one care you're not fun. But when you go out to do climbing, you travel with people. You are not being fun, not related to people, not connect to people. That's not fun. Then you are miserable. So I begin to realize, wow, I have no idea how to connect with people. Wow. And so that was the point. And how did that grow you? Once you started feeling that you wanted to grow this aspect of who you are as a person, what changed after that? That bring brought a lot of perspective about looking into my own weakness. Mm. Because when I was just working in my office, I only see my strengths, right? I'm smart. I can create this. I can produce that really well, really fast. All I see is I'm great at. When I'm facing, oh, I don't really know how to connect with people. Then I begin to look, why? There is something, my insecurity, my lack of confidence, where I don't really even know who I am. Because mm. that's why when we don't connect with other people, a lot of time it's like, we don't even know how to connect with ourselves. Right. Like at the, at the beginning, sometimes I remember at some point my friends even asked me like, when was the last time you cried? I can't remember. Mm. Then I begin, well, do I have emotion then? If you don't even know how to be sad, don't know how to be excited, you react to everything pretty just uh, like nothing or yeah. no strong reaction. Where is my emotion? Then how that related to myself, who I am. So a lot of things begin to examine myself and then look into how do I become a person like this? Is that because I, at the beginning, I wonder, oh, is this something we're born with that is my disability? Mm. And no, then begin with, oh, that's a lack of training. A lot of things we're not good at, we don't know. It's not because we're bad or we're born with some kind of thing. It's because we didn't have the exposure, the training when we were young. We didn't have awareness that we didn't learn that skill. So begin to face it, begin to accept. The beginning, some street comment from a good friend is very hard to accept because they tell you the truth. Yeah. Tell your face, you need to look into yourself to see who you are and why you like it's not other people don't want to be your friends. It's like <laughs> like you have to what you make want other people to be your friend. What kind of help you are offering to other people when you say other people are not helping you. So you when you're facing that truth, then begin to learn, oh Actually, if I recognize that is something I can learn, I can change, then I can grow from here. So that's actually really the starting point of my personal growth journey. Wow. 
it sounds so much like I have a similar attitude about this. It's like, it's just training. Like if you, these are skills, you can learn them. You can learn to be a more personable person. Your personality is malleable. It can move in different directions for that. So what are the things you started doing to become better and more well-rounded and to create more friendship and connection in your life? Yeah, I just, a lot of time just have to be uncomfortable and be willing to face the truth. Yes. So when I realized that, I begin to like, I want a friend to tell me truth. I want you to point out what is my problem if I cannot see myself. Then I will try to go out, like go to a party, try to make friends with people. Even I don't want to talk to people. I want to be shy. I want to be quiet. But I learned I need to go out there to try. And also had an opportunity to connect with the different people in climbing. That was a big bonus that so many people, no one shared the same educational background work. Right. They're saying with me and only they have no interest like at work, my relationship with you is based on if going to affect my salary, my bonus or my promotion, right? But in outside, there's nothing, no money connecting us. So it's very much purer. It's based on how well we can connect, how much I can be of value to you too, as a great climbing partner, as a great hiking friend, as someone who can share some inner thoughts. Then I begin to learn, like see what other people are offering to each other than what I can offer to other people then begin to see, you can see the response. You can say, oh, if I do this, more people like me. Not that <laughs> the people kind of like me, you sure. begin to realize people more accept you as a friend. Then I know, okay, now I just need to see, step outside of my own zone, mm-hmm. not just look into my own interest, what I can get from this. It's more, start to think more about what other people need. So that's actually, right now, like I'm doing a lot of coaching, right? So a lot of, my clients, also some client culture came from like engineering background, technical background or different culture. A lot of time at the beginning, I heard them gonna say, oh, I'm not good at this. I'm not good at that. Like I tell them my story. I say, no, you're not good at it only because you didn't have exposure. You right. didn't have training. You didn't get the opportunity to learn, but you can all change that. Most definitely. Why climbing? What was it about climbing? Why did you get into it? Well, that was a wild dream came out of <laughs> nowhere. So that was a 2004. I was working I was working in Boston at that time, right after my MBA. I got a nice job in investment management. Life is great, another level of American dream. I wasn't thinking too much, but I definitely know like I need to do something about my health because I begin to realize like, I look pretty healthy, but I can see the people outside running and doing all the kind of things. I know I'm not fit, I'm not athletic. So I needed some kind of motivation. And in 2004, there was a documentary movie came to Boston called Touching the Void. It's a climbing survival story. And when I watched that one, I was like, wow, I didn't know human can be this strong. That's amazing. So that's uh, Joe Simpson. He 
was on Peru, in Peru, on a, don't know how high that mountain, the first ascent of a really high peak, mm -hmm. and he broke his leg on the way down. And his partner thought he was dead, left him behind. So for three days, three nights, no food, no water, no sleep, with a broken leg, he just crawl, hop, whatever, for three days, three nights to get himself out alone, all by his own effort. I was like, oh my God, I didn't know a human can be this strong. <laughs> and my first thought was, if I were there, I would be dead. The second thought, really? Are you going to give up? Are you just going to give up? No fight? You're going to accept? You're going to die? So I said, no, I want to be strong like him. I think that's amazing. So I begin to challenge myself, wonder like, can I be someone like that, be so strong? So I looked into a lot of mountaineering documentaries from there. Then set my daydream, I want to go climb Mount Everest. And I, at that time, I was thinking, I'm going to shoot for the moon so I can land on a star, which means if I'm going to set a daydream to go climb Mount Everest, at least I can go to the gym. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love that. I, I, I like how you approach these things. Like you approach these things like, well, yeah, I just have to work on it. And then you do it, which uh, it seems like such a straightforward approach, but can be very hard for a lot of people to actually do that. So I totally commend you for, for that attitude, you, just how you treat it. It's, it's refreshing. It's refreshing. Thank uh, you. To hear that. Yes. I want to talk a little bit about the journey with Lee you have posted up there. Talk a little bit about that. Your journeywithlee.com. Let's talk about that. Yeah, thank you. So Journey with Lay, that's my coaching and speaking business. And everything started from my Everest dream because after I started that daydream, I followed that dream for six years. So in 2010, I climbed the seven summits, the highest mountain on each of the seven continents Beautiful. and to the North Pole and the South Pole. So I was the first Asian woman and I think the number four women in the world to complete that called Explorer's Grand Slam. And from there, of course, I just begin to like taste, okay, anything <laughs> impossible is possible. Go from a book nerd to become an <laughs> from Wall Street engineer to go climb the highest mountains in the world. It's just that kind of surreal experience make me believe anything is possible. Mm. So a lot of people invite me to talk about it, share what I learned. So I became a motivational speaker and I became a coach because so many people want to follow my step, want to learn not just about climbing mountain. Actually, I don't coach people on climbing. <laughs> I want to help people change their life because from that journey, the, from Wall Street to the seven summits, two poles, that experience transformed me, that my perspective on life, on everything totally changed, that I want to bring that transformation to more people. So I help people build their life, build their career, their business, build what they want. And I just leverage my, all my skills because I had my MBA in finance and marketing. I had my computer science. I worked in corporate Wall Street startup. So I had a pretty wild, wide range of experience so like and then plus my old perspective 
strength I gained through my expeditions. So I combine that into leadership coaching, business coaching, and help people to build their dreamed life, their dreamed career, their dreamed business. So that was Journey with Lei is about. Journey with Lei. Wow, what a journey. What an incredible, like, it's such a testament to kind of like when you have limiting beliefs about yourself and that you can't do certain things. And then you hear inspiring stories like this and you go, wait a minute. I mean, it's not like Lay was like some, you know, five-star recruit athlete coming out of high school and was doing all these things. You just put your mind to it. You, you focused and you went straight towards it. And showing that a lot of things, coming back to it, a lot of things feel like you just don't have the background. You weren't exposed to it. But once you actually do that, you can get better at most things if you actually do it. That sounds like what you're saying. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So like even sometimes like after I finish Aries, sometimes when I talk about something at the beginning, if I say, oh, that would be impossible, my friend would catch him to say, what? <laughs> you say that's impossible? So, oh, then I realized I can never say something. You can't say that. Anymore. <laughs> <laughs> that. That's over for you. <laughs> yeah, totally. Because what the funniest thing, there's one really funniest thing is because I grew up totally a book nerd. I was barely can pass PE test when I was in school. And after I finished Everest, I was all over the newspaper magazines. And my classmates from high school, they even they saw it, they didn't connect that with me because <laughs> I'm super, super common like lay one is like a jane doe or john smith kind of name so no one would think that's the one in their class it's probably in their class the memory is that small girl i'm only five foot one a small girl and so tiny not athletic there's no way that's not my classmates so even after i went back to do the speaking my classmates some classmates still don't believe still think i was wow. joking that really you until like everyone tell me, just look at the picture. You can it's recognize me. that. <laughs> wow, that is so amazing. Well, please, uh, Lei, please let everyone know how they can contact you and take a journey with you because I think it's really amazing. Thank you so much. Yeah, so check out my website, journeywithlei.com or email me at lei, L-E-I, lei at journeywithlei.com. I would love to talk about how you can have your dreamed career, your dreamed business, and without have to work, like people say, work 24 by seven. No, it's about working smart, knowing how to focus one step at a time. Things uh, maybe look impossible, but if you focus, prioritize properly, one step at a time, anything is achievable. And I'd love to be your partner on your journey. Well said. Lei, thank you so much for your time. I appreciate you and we'll be in touch. Thank you so much. Autumn is in the air. Time for back to school, football games, and pumpkin lattes. Fall is also a great time to buy or sell a car online at driveway.com. Welcome to Driveway, where you can feel completely in control of your car buying or selling experience. Our nationwide network with tens of thousands of vehicles is unmatched. And when you buy from Driveway, there's no pressure. We offer our best price up front. That's Driveway, a customer-friendly experience that makes buying or selling your car easy. Driveway. 
auto done easy. Want more ways to show your good side to the world? Donate plasma at a Griffles Center and join thousands of donors who are helping to save lives. Receive up to $1,000 your first month. Learn more at grifflesplasma.com.